Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Hey, welcome to week one of Tongue Twisted. We're glad you've joined us. We're going to be looking over the next couple weeks at things that are hard for us to say, and so uh, we're, glad, we're, we're glad you're here and glad to, to be a part of that. It was a couple of weeks or a couple of years ago, actually, Jody and I were traveling in Phoenix, Arizona. We had a rental car. We're driving down the city and uh, looking for a place to eat. It was there that I was introduced to a restaurant that was and is a tongue twister and is hard for me to say. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of the California Pizza Pizza Kitchen. Uh, if you've ever heard of the California Pizza Kitchen, you've got to go to Ross Park to find one close enough here. But it was there that I found out this restaurant was a tongue twister for me. And so because I would have to stop and think about what I was saying because I would always say California Pizza chicken, but it's not California pizza chicken, it's California pizza kitchen. And so I would have to slow down and make my way to try and say California pizza kitchen. Because if I try to say it too fast, in fact, you try it right now five times fast, California pizza chicken. See it right there. It just doesn't, it's just one of those things. You try it. It's just, it's a tongue twister. It's a hard thing sometimes when the tongue doesn't line up with the brain and it doesn't all come into a place. There are moments in life, some things that we experience that are difficult and hard for us to say. Jody would, would uh, as we were on that trip there in Arizona in the, the car while she was laughing her head off at me because I could not figure out how to say California pizza, pizza kitchen uh, fastly or in a, in a fast response. Uh, she would say to me and try to coach me and help me and say, well, just think about a place and not a thing. Think about a place that's a kitchen and not a thing that's a chicken. And so she would coach me and try to help me. And so we want to coach you this week or these next three weeks on some things that might be hard to say, some things that are hard for us to get our tongue in line with our brain and some words that might be difficult at times to come out of our mouths. In fact, just for fun, Jody will sometimes say to me, say your favorite restaurant (laughs) real fast, California Pizza Kitchen. I don't know about for you, but one of those tongue twisters that in faith that can be difficult for us to say sometimes is God is for me. If we're being real and looking at life, sometimes there's moments where the brain and the tongue are not always in line because it doesn't feel like God is for me. It doesn't always feel like God is for me, and it can be a tongue twister sometimes in life to say that God is for me. But today I want to take a look. We want to look at this text, this this whole idea. In uh, Romans chapter 8, Paul writing this letter, and if you would stand with me as we look at Romans chapter 8, God is for me. As you're opening your Bible there or your device, let me also just mention our Wednesdays in July. We started last week and uh, had a great time with our baptism service. And then this Wednesday, my friend Brian Higby is going to be with us, pastor at uh, uh, City Church in Connellsville. He'll be sharing, carries a prophetic anointing on his life and just a, a great friend, a man of God and, and uh, just a, an honor serving in uh, this county with him. He's going to be here on Wednesday and uh, we've got different guests. Uh, topics and uh, just ministry lined up for our Wednesdays in July, 7 o'clock. Hope you'll come be a part of that. In fact, one of those nights will even be our very own Mike McKitty, who's pastoring our our reckless young adults. And so he'll be speaking one of those nights. So Wednesdays in July, I hope you'll make make it a point to be a part of these great nights that we have together on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. You ready for the word? 
Romans chapter 8, that was about a third of you, but we'll go for it anyway. The rest of you are still looking for Romans. All right. Here it is, Romans chapter 8, verse 24. I've got to find it, 28. Sorry, I'm like, why am I lost right now? Because I said 24 and it's 28. I found it. Here's what it says. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say then about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? This one who gave up everything. Let me read that, that last verse again. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? God is for us. I pray today, God, that in every circumstance and situation, let our eyes and our, our, our hearts be in alignment and God, that our tongue would also come into alignment to declare in every situation that God, you are good. Lord, I pray that you'd let our faith be anchored to, to the deep truth of your word today. And God, give us new perspective. And we pray, God, that we would know that you are at work in our lives. We give you thanks for this. We pray it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? amen. Before you're seated, find somebody and say five times real fast, God is for me, God is for me, God is for me, God is for me. Now throw in California pizza chicken. I mean kitchen. California pizza chicken. Kitchen. Something like that. God is for me. God is for me. I know it. I know how to say it. I know the right thing to say. But if I'm being honest with you, there are moments in life that it doesn't always feel like God is for me. And I'm sure you can be honest as well and say that there's points and places in life when it doesn't feel like God is for me, then what you're walking through is not the exact same thing that you would attribute to God's goodness in your life. You know and believe that God is good, but the circumstance and current moment that you're in does not feel good, and therefore our tongues get twisted because we know that God is for us, but it's sometimes hard to say that God is for us. We can get tongue twisted in that, that moment and that, that place of wanting to say that he is, but, but it's hard sometimes. It's, it's those moments where it doesn't always line up. We're, we're in moments that we know God is good, but it doesn't feel good. But even harder yet are times where we can be in moments and we don't feel like we even deserve God's goodness. And therefore, it's even hard for us to say that God is for me because we feel as if we're not worthy and we become the, the source and the focus of, of certain things that we might be facing. But being honest... In fact, since credibility is built on honesty, can we just be honest today? Can I just be honest to tell you there's some things in life I don't like. There's some things in life that I've faced, some things in life that take place, some things in life that I walk through that in all honesty, I don't like it. And if I could be honest with you, sometimes life stinks. I feel like using even more words, but I don't want to offend anybody, but we'll just leave it at that. Sometimes life just stinks. Somebody like, was he going to cuss? No, I wasn't going to cuss. Sometimes life just stinks. 
Sometimes life's difficult. It's hard. It, 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 it's, it's difficult in moments that we, we can walk through, and it's just being this honest. And I know today, is there, I'm sure there's someone here today that you can say being honest. There are moments in life that life is not the easiest. There's things in life that if I were being honest, there's some things I don't like about places I walk and things that I experience and things that I've gone through. Is there anybody honest in the room to just say sometimes life doesn't always feel so good? Just being honest. But here's what I have to acknowledge is that my honesty, my, my, my being honest, even, even though I'm in a place that it's the honest truth, that my honest truth needs to submit to a higher honest truth. There's, a, there's an honest truth that I can, I can know for, 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 for fact that life is difficult at times. It doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always look the best. But the honest truth is that it's not always the best, but there is a higher honest truth that you and I need to submit to. I know there's someone in the room right now who is saying, here we go again, why does it always have to be this way? Why does God get everything he wants? Why can't I just get what I want one time? Why is it that we always have to give God what he wants and why can't I get what I want? None of us are going to admit that, but we've thought it before. God, it's always your way. What about what I think about this? How about how I feel about this circumstance? I wonder since we're being honest this morning, if anyone would be honest enough to have moments that you've thought, God, why can't I just get my way one time? If we're being honest, why, why does God get his way and why can't I get my way? I've got an simple answer to that question and and that is this because God is for you and you are for yourself and I don't know about you but wouldn't you rather trust the person who's for you and not the person who's for themselves stop and think about that for a moment you always find more credibility and trust in a person looking out for you as opposed in a person looking out for themselves how many know that when there's someone looking out for themselves you usually back away because you know if they're looking out for themselves and it's all about them then how many know the simple answer to the question why does God always get his way and I don't get mine is because God's looking out for you and you're just looking out for yourself and so God in his ability to look out for you has a better perspective. He knows more. He sees. He's from a higher place. This, this, this work that he's wanting to accomplish in our midst and in our lives. He sees things higher. God is for me. Do you believe that today? I know it. I can say it. But there's places and moments in life that it's sometimes difficult. This, this whole idea of God being for me, the word for means this, that, that it, it identifies that there's something supreme or above. There's something higher. Isaiah 58 says this, my thoughts, God speaking, he said, my thoughts are not like your thoughts and my ways are far beyond your ways and more than you can understand. How many know that he's saying here, my ways and my thoughts are higher than yours? That are, they're at a higher perspective, and they're at a higher place. I have never gone bungee jumping. I have issues, but I've never had an issue of wanting to stand at a high point and jump off with something tied around my ankles. I don't have that kind of issue, okay? I don't understand bungee jumping. It's kind of cool for you. If you've done it, that's great. But you could say it's a good thing that you've got your ankle tied to the rope and the ankle is securely tied and you've, you're, you're, you're harnessed in and everything's great. That's good, but that's not great because what's great is that it's tied to a higher point so that when you jump, you've got something to bring you back. How many know if all you've got is the ankles tied, but you're not tied to something higher? You can jump, but you're not coming back if you jump. Why? Because you need to be tied to something greater. There has to be something more. And oftentimes we live and look at life according to our perspective and where we are. And sometimes where we are, it's hard to say God's good. 
But when we know we're connected to something higher, that we're connected and tied to something greater, we can know in that moment that there is a greater truth, that my honest truth needs to submit to the God's honest truth. My honest truth needs to submit to God's honest truth. Here's the honest truth. The honest truth is that your ankles might be tied to that rope, but the God's honest truth is that that rope needs to be tied to something higher, to something greater. And if we're being honest, here's what we have to be honest about. God never promised that our lives would be free of troubles. Honestly speaking, God never said that we would be in a place that we did not have troubles, that there would be a pain-free life. In fact, going through the valley does not exclude the valley. If you're going to walk through the valley, there's no way to walk through the valley and to exclude the valley that you have to walk through. And it's the process, the place that God is taking us. He's not good because of where we're walking. He's good because of where he's taking us. You need to understand today that his goodness is not because of where I'm walking now, but his goodness is because of where he's taking me and what he's bringing bringing into completion the steps that God is ordering, putting place in my life. Honestly speaking, here's some honesty for us. A pain-free life is not real faith. A pain-free life is not real faith. Faith that is not tested is not faith at all, but is rather just fear. Because if faith is not tested, then, we, then by fear, we protect it and we don't want it to be confronted or, or conflicted. There are some people who would say, well, faith and science don't go together. Why? Because they say, well, science proves that there's not a God and faith can't handle that kind of proof. Absolutely garbage. Faith does not, is not afraid of science because all science has at the very most is that there's a missing link. Can I tell you what the connection is? There's a God who created and ordained and you can look at the stars and over time, you're gonna realize that somebody put them there, somebody ordained, someone orchestrated that there was a creator who set all things in place, that the moon is just the right distance so that we don't get flooded and the sun at just the right point so we don't burn to death. How many know that's a creator? That's a God who ordered and set in the right distance, the right time, the right space, that there is a God who is above all things, a higher honest truth that is coordinating and working and putting all things together. If he knows what to do with the sun and the moon, he knows how to handle your days and your time and your circumstances. If he knows how to position what you're walking through in life, he knows how to position those circumstances, situations. He knows how to walk with you. His goodness is not where you are. His goodness is where he's taking you. But because he's taking you, the goodness is not where you are. The goodness is that he is with you in the midst of what you're walking through. This is the goodness of God to say and to know that God is for us, that God is not against us. When we have fear and it dictates our lives, we become protected and and too often we create a facade of what we call faith to be. We sometimes have our faith and we worship from the aspect of what faith ought to look like, what it ought to taste like, what experiences ought to give us. We have faith according to how we see it and we sometimes can live life that if I have faith in God, then that means I should never walk through this. How many know that's not the true faith? The faith oftentimes has to be confronted. There's, There's times that it gets tested, times that it walks through trials and difficulties. There's a, an exhibit at the zoo that you can go to, and it's, it's, the, it's a beautiful, wonderful lions that you can look, and they make that lion exhibit look like the real thing of a wildlife or wild, the, the wild, but how many know it's far from the real thing? It's a facade. It's made to look like something, but while it's made to look like something, it's protected and it's kept in, which is why in 2008, a study from a university in the UK said that only 33% of lions that are let back into the wild actually survive. 
Why? Because their whole life was lived in a facade, but when it came to the real thing, they did not last. I wonder how many Christians have a facade of what faith is, but when faith gets confronted, they lose sight, and now they had their ankles tied. That faith was all about tying your ankles to the right job, the right career, the right circumstances, right things. You've got everything right around your ankles, but it doesn't matter if everything's right around your ankles if you don't have it rightly tied to a higher point and a place in life. You can be ready to jump into life, but if all you've got is everything tied at your ankles, but you're not tied to what securely holds you, when you jump in life, you're not going to make it. The only success, the only place is that we are anchored and tied in that place, our relationship with Christ. That the faith that we have is times that our faith gets tested. There are times that it gets tried because that's the place of it being able to grow. And to be honest, here's the God's honest truth, that there's the honest truth and the God's honest truth. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to read the honest truth and then I want to read the God's honest truth. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, here's the honest truth. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but here's the God's honest truth, but we are not crushed. Here's the honest truth. We are perplexed, but here's the God's honest truth, but we are not driven to despair. Here's the honest truth. We are hunted down, but here's the God's honest truth, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, there's an honest truth that life is sometimes stinky. Sometimes it doesn't feel the best. Sometimes it doesn't bring out the best, but that's the God's honest truth that every place we walk is not always good, but the God's honest truth is that he is good, that he is faithful, and that he remains, that I am anchored not to where my feet are on the ground, but I'm anchored to the one who holds me and keeps all things together and causes me to walk in the purpose that he has for my life. He is for me. He's for me. I've got to know this today with a confidence that God is for me. The God's honest truth is that faith is going to be tested. And sometimes in life, I get tongue twisted. And I want to say God's for me. But then I'm in moments, instead of saying God's for me, I'm saying, God, where are you? Isn't it interesting that when everything's going good, we don't often ask, where's God? We only ask, where's God, when things are no longer going as good. That's not everybody, but I just mean in general, in population, and general who we are as a people, that when everything's going just the way we think it ought to go in our facade of faith, We very seldom give thought to God, but the moment things are no longer as we desire, we stepped out into a place that becomes confronted, a place of conflict uh, that becomes conflicted, and we say, God, where are you? And God is the same place that He's always been, that He's walking with us. Do you know today? Do you know today having confidence? To know something. Here's what it is to know something. To know something means that you call it to memory in a time of need. If you're going to know something, it means you have the ability to call it to memory in a time of need. Um, I was taught algebra, but I'm not going to tell you I know algebra. That was 25 years ago. And if you were to ask me right now what I learned, I can only tell you what I know based off what I remember. If I don't remember, then I don't know anything. I really don't know because I don't remember, which really means in order to know God's faithfulness, And you go through troubles? When you say, God, I'm going through troubles, and God almost would have a reply to say, you're welcome. God, life isn't the best at this moment. You're welcome. 
Now, I don't want to make light of that and say, but here's the truth, that if I only lived my life where everything went to the place that it was good, I would never need God. I'm reminded how, how much I need God because I walk in the difficult places and the areas of life that don't always feel good, but that's where I learn the goodness of God and the grace of God. It's in walking in those places that he reveals. The only way I'm going to know algebra is that I keep reminding myself of what it is. But how many know that if I'm no longer challenged to need to be reminded of it, then I don't really know it. You following me? I learned it 25 years ago. You've had a faith in Jesus, and if you had faith in Jesus so many years ago, but today your faith is not what it used to be, I want to encourage you today. Don't get dull in knowing the goodness and the grace of God. Be reminded in this season, this place, that God is for us. Romans 8, 28, and we know. I read this in preparation for this sermon, and I had to stop and ask myself, do I really know that God is working all things together for good? Because i got to be honest with you, I know it and I can read it, I know how to say it, but there's times my mind doesn't always line up with my, my brain doesn't always line up with my, my tongue, and it doesn't always feel like God's working this out for the good. Can we just be honest? But in being honest, the honest truth needs to submit to the God's honest truth that he's not finished working in the midst of what we're going through. That I would know his faithfulness, and we know, this is my prayer, that we today give you some things this morning to encourage us and to help us to know that God is for us, even in moments when it doesn't feel like it. Because I don't think we ought to be the, the people who are not honest. Please, this is not healthy. How are you? I'm wonderful and everything's perfect. I never have a problem in life. You're full of stuff. <laughs> stuffing. Stuffing. You're full of stuffing. You, you, no, we have problems in life. But my God is faithful, and he's walking with me. Yeah, this has come against me, but it's not overtaking me. Yeah, I'm facing this on the front, but my God is surrounding me and keeping me. Yes, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be truthfully honest in what I'm facing, but I've got an honest truth, but I know that God's honest truth, that my God is for me, that he is with me, that he will not allow anything to overtake. So how about we, like Jody trying to teach me how to say California pizza chicken, kitchen. California Pizza Kitchen. What to think, how to do, how to, how to process. I want to give us some things today just to help us in those moments, to be reminded when it doesn't feel like God is for us, but yet knowing there's a God's honest truth, that God is indeed for us. Let me give you number one. If you're taking notes, you can write these down, and here's number one. If I know that God is for me, number one is I have to believe and know that God is here. Jesus whose name when he was, when it was given, the name Emmanuel was given to Jesus, and that name Emmanuel means literally this, God is with us, that he is with us, that he's here, he's in the midst of what we're walking through and where we are. Uh, how many would agree that the earlier in life you learn that God is with you, the stronger it will help you to face life's troubles that are going to come down the road? If we can know earlier in life, I'm, I'm uh, grateful, and I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm uh, just encouraged by the faith and, and just the, uh, the young people that God is raising up here in Fayette County. Uh, let me just say for our reckless young adults, if you are a young person 
And uh, if you're a young person and uh, you're in, in uh, uh, not a, a young adult, not hanging out on Thursday nights, I would encourage you to come and be a part of this group that is, uh, that's growing, strengthening, and I believe just helping to lead the way. Why? Because uh, those of us are no longer young. We're not needed anymore. Absolutely not. We're supposed to be the encouragers and the ones standing on the sidelines to cheer those on so we can see greater things happen in the day that we're in. Because everybody knows in life you're going to hit troubles, and all the old people said Amen. And all the young people said, thank you. I was living that up to somebody. I knew that was, that was somebody's moment. I didn't tell you what was young and what was old. I just gave you the opportunity to just kind of acknowledge that, that there's places and points in life. And uh, knowing that God is with us. Uh, last week, I got to hear a, uh, a message that was given at Christ Methodist Church, not too far from here. And uh, it was by a, a young man who shared from this very topic of God is with us, that, that God working in every situation, every place that we are. And uh, so I said, man, that ties right into point one. And so I asked Zach to come and just uh, help us with point one. And so would you please welcome Zach Mansberry as he comes today to share just this reminder of God is with us and God is here. Zach, thanks for being here, man. Well, I'm Zach, and uh, I'd first like to thank Pastor Jason for giving me this opportunity to hopefully not mess up into the microphone, which is a real risk for him. But uh, two weeks ago, I had to write a message, and I, of course, had no idea how to do that. But then I read Psalm 27, verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. There aren't many things that I, at 19, falling on the younger side of that line would really feel confident to talk about trying to preach because I just don't have the experience that I feel like a lot of the people listening probably do. And my mom came to the earlier service, but she couldn't make it to this one, so now I can admit I don't know everything. <laughs> Despite what I tell her. But... <laughs> But my favorite part of this scripture is that it's universal and it can be applied to just about any part of life. To me, it's a declaration of courage. The Lord is my light and my salvation. There's no doubt there. It's just a statement of fact. Though an army may besiege me, my heart will not fear. Another statement. There's no questioning it. Fear is something that we all face. I'm afraid of fish. That's kind of weird. I spent an hour and a half hoping that they didn't find Nemo. <laughs> but the most common place that we find fear is in the news. Whether it be in politics, warfare, weather, a local tragedy, even the stock market. My favorite news stories, though, are those of individuals that overcame their fear those that rose to the occasion and conquered the impossible. It's in those stories that I can see the scripture come to life. It's in those stories that I can see 
the work of God. A few years ago, there was a 22-year-old woman that was just looking for her father to borrow the car one Saturday, something that I'm sure a lot of people that were on that younger side of the line can probably relate to. And when she found him, she saw that he was trapped under the car. He was unconscious after the jack had slipped out and dropped the vehicle on top of him. This girl summoned the miraculous strength to lift the car for her father's escape. She was later interviewed and said that it was like lifting a table with a short leg. She added that she thought it had to just be pure adrenaline. And yeah, we've all heard a story like this of somebody facing that desperation to save a loved one and facing extreme odds. This woman was not asked about her religious beliefs or whether she's a follower of God, but I believe that God was there. A more personal story for me was that of a friend in high school. He was one of the people that often seemed to be cast out. He was clearly from a tough environment and he often wore the same clothing and didn't seem to have the resources that most of us take for granted that even I still take for granted. But while I saw people write him off and tend to stray away, I did my best to be there for him, as many others did too. Unfortunately, my heart ached whenever I often saw people take advantage of his effort in school and a lot of the time try to use him in the group projects because they knew no matter what, he was going to work hard and he was going to do his best for the grade. And he was so just hardworking, and once you got him opened up, he's a really nice kid. When I spoke to him, he never mentioned any hardship. He never brought up his home life or his environment outside of the school. This boy was just upbeat and polite to anybody that he came across, a great model for how we all should live. Later in high school, I noticed that he had even become a close friend of one of our teachers that was in the process of building his own house. And the student offered to help him, and I believe often did. The teacher was there for everything to support him. One of my happiest days of my senior year was getting to see this student get inducted into the National Honor Society. I was so proud and happy to congratulate him, seeing his bright smile after receiving the little pin. Despite the clear challenges that he was facing outside of school, he never let that stop him from succeeding. He was a genuine inspiration to me. When graduation day finally came, it nearly brought a tear to my eye as he walked across the stage. He had mentioned once to me that he was the first of his family to complete high school, and I know how much that day meant to him. And though an army of challenges may have stood against him, he overcame. I never brought up religion with him, but I have not a single doubt in my mind that God was by his side through it all. What this scripture means to me is that no matter what we may face, no matter the insurmountable challenges that come our way, there's nothing to fear. God will be on our side. God is for us. If there's anything good that we have in life, it is only because of the goodness of God. Some people don't recognize it, but anything good is only because God has given it to us. We said already that there are times where 
when things are good, we don't acknowledge God, but when things are not good, we say, where is God? Because we have to know that James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, who doesn't change like shifting shadows. If there's anything good in life, it's only because of the goodness of God at work in our life. Whether you know Jesus or not, if you've ever experienced anything good, it's only because of God's goodness, which is just this fact that God is with us. He's for us, that God is with us. If we're gonna know that God is for us, it begins, number one, knowing that God is here, that he's in the midst of whatever you're walking through. He was there when the day was good, and he's there when the day didn't seem so good. He's there in the midst of difficulty. He's there in the midst of triumph. Whatever place that you are, God is always with us. He is here, and because he's here, we know that he's for us. He's not left us. He's working with us. Number two, we've got to know not only is he here, but number two, he is first, that God is first. If we're going to be at a place to know that God is for us, we need to know that God is first. Romans 8, 29 says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn. There's another place that says he was the first fruits of the resurrection. It means that because he's first, we're following behind him. And where he goes, we go also. If he suffered, we suffer too. If he rose again, we rise again. If he was victorious, we're victorious. When he's first and we're following him, we know that where he ends up is where we're going to end up. And how many know that he's preparing a place for you and I so that when the time has come, we will be with him forever. He's creating a place. The question I want to ask you today is knowing how God, how good God is, that God is for you. Who are you following? There's a property in Belvern, and that many of you know that we that we have the the uh, uh, the, the privilege of helping to plant start a, uh, plant and start a church there, and just our our Valley Life ministry there, the home that's up and running. There's a a hundred year old building that sits on the corner there, and this place is something to 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 see and to go through. and And there's an area, a crawl space at the top of of this this balcony that you can go through a, a crawl space, and it'll take you to the top. You climb this ladder, and you can. Get get to see and overlook this roof that has an old dome that was built with stained glass window and just to see the architecture and, and just the beauty of it once you go through that crawl space. But I've never gone through the crawl space until one day I was there with somebody and they were, we were showing him the building and he said, oh, what's through here? I said, well, I've heard you can go through here and go up and you'll be able to look out. He opens the door, takes his flashlight and starts going through. I'm like, buddy, I don't know what the bats are there. I don't know what's there. You're on your own. And all of a sudden I hear his echo that says, oh, you should check this out. Guess what I did? I went up, but the only way I went is because he went first. I'm not going unless somebody else goes first. And how many know that? That God has gone first, and because he's gone first, that he will bring you through to the other side. How do I know that? Because he went through. He overcame. The goodness of God is not recognizing, and it changes everything, that where you are right now might not be good, but God's not finished taking you to the place that he has for you. He walked through that place that he's moving us into area. He's gone first. Because he's gone first and you follow him, you're going to land up where he landed. You're gonna end up the place that he, he is. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in the presence of God in complete victory, power, and authority. Guess what? He shares that power and authority with you and I through the Holy Spirit. We have the same power of Jesus Christ living inside of us. He went first, which means for us, no matter what we go through, we get to overcome too because we are overcomers through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. You gotta to know today that you're gonna be able to say and not get 
tongue twisted, that God is for me, even in the moments when it doesn't feel like he's not, knowing that God is here, knowing that God is first. Number three, knowing that God is working. God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to the purposes of God. You need to know today that your inconveniences and the disappointments that you're you're facing is not God's pleasure. He does not take delight in your disappointment. God does not delight. And I've heard some people say, I don't know why God gets such pleasure off of seeing me suffer. He takes no pleasure in seeing you suffer. He sees you in your suffering and he loves you and he's working in your life. He's at work. A couple years ago, I was uh, back when Jody and I lived in Dillsburg. I was in Alaska on a missions trip, and while I was there, uh, Jody was home with the kids. The kids were much younger at that time, and she discovered in the basement that one of the pipes broke, and so the basement had gotten had been flooded. I was in Alaska. There was nothing I could do. Even if I was home, there's nothing I could do. Um, I can call somebody, and uh, so we're we're. Uh, I find out that this needs to be taken care of and it's all taken care of. She gets uh, some people that uh, come in and they fix the problem. Guess what I came home to? When I got home from Alaska, I found the carpet torn out. I saw two feet of drywall cut the whole way around the finished basement that was cut out. They left that place a mess. You know what I didn't do? I didn't stand there and say to my wife, can you believe what they did? No, I realized because they were coming to fix a problem, it meant that they were working, and because they were working, there's some other stuff that had to be dealt with in the process. And sometimes when you forget that things aren't lining up the way you want, it's not because God's abandoned you, it's because he's working. He's working all things together, and he's putting some pieces together. You've gotta know this today. God did not cause your calamity, but he knows how to work through and work in your calamity. God did not cause your disappointment. God did not cause your grief. God did not cause, and I know that there's places we say, God, if you were good, then Why didn't you do? Why didn't you step in? God, why didn't you change? Why didn't you? What God does does not change who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he remains good. That the honest truth is that I walk through difficult places, but the God's honest truth is that he's working all things together for my good, to his glory, that God is for me. I've got to know today that God is working. He's not finished working in the circumstance, in the situation, that there are moments that we have to trust God in that place. I wish I could tell you trust was an easy thing. I wish I could tell you knowing, because this is why I get tongue-tied, because the things I know aren't easy to always come out. Because it doesn't always line up with the way I wish it would, the way I think it should. It's not always the easiest, but knowing that God is working, that he's developing all things and working all things out for my good. There's some stuff that I, I uh, don't like going through. You ever have medicine? That the medicine, you know that is horrible and you're gonna have an aftertaste in that medicine? But somehow somebody said, it's good for you. <laughs> Did you ever have the mom who told you, this hurts me more than it hurts you? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> There's a God who is for us. To be able to trust that he is for us and working on our behalf, that he is here, that he is going first, that he is working. Here's number four. Number four, you need to know in order to keep us from being tongue-tied, you need to know that God is love, that we can be able to say God is for me. How do I know that God is for me? Because I know that God loves me. You say, Jason, if God loves me, then why does God let things happen? 
God did not come to be the God to keep things from happening. God came to be the God to walk you through the things in life that happen. He didn't come to say you would not have trouble. He came to say, I'm the God who walks with you. And my grace, my love is for you that I'm walking with you. Listen to what verse 32 says. We read this earlier. It says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Don't miss the significance of this scripture. That he gave his own son for you and I. He gave up his son for you and I that we might have life. Don't miss the significance because I love you, but you're not getting my child. There are certain days I might give you one of them, but just kidding. There's there's this this love that he has for us. Why? Because he gave the very best because he loves you. How do we know he loves us? Verse 30 says, Having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Notice this, that he called, he chose, he chose us, he called us, he cleanses us, and he commissions us. Do you realize he calls us to come near to him? He chooses us. This is number one, that he chose you. You didn't choose him, he chose you. You might, and if you're here today and you say, what if he didn't choose me? If you hear the voice of God today saying that he loves you, he's chosen you. Because he's not willing that any should perish. This is not a naughty, uh, 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 an in list and an out list. Like there's some people, no, God knew it's predestined. Why? Because God is a higher being and he knows all things. He's the God's honest truth. And guess what the God's honest truth is? He knows whether or not you're going to make a decision to follow him. If I leave on a flight to arrive in Minnesota, how many know that flight is destined for Minnesota? How do I know that? Because I made a choice, and the choice that was made was known ahead of time. Oh, what do you know? I got picked to go to Minnesota. No, I didn't get picked to Minnesota. I got on a plane that was going and predestined to Minnesota. You have a choice to make today. You have a choice. God has chosen you. He wants you. He desires you. He chooses you. That whole thing that he even even calls chooses us. You know why that's significant? Because he is worthy and we're not. In my brokenness, in my unworthy state, he still came to me and said, hey, I want you. How many know that's amazing love and the grace of God? That he says, I'm choosing you. I want you. I'm for you. And having choose, chosen us, he brought us in. He made a place for us. He created, and literally, he's at the right hand of the Father, making a place for you and I, that we can be with him. He's made a place for us to belong. He's called us to be his own. He shared his glory with us. Do you realize that you don't share your glory with someone if you don't really love them? I mean, he could have said, hey, come in here. You can serve, but I'm not giving you anything that I am. You won't know anything about me. But realize, he says he doesn't call us slaves. He calls us friends. His love for us, he brought a place, and he's given us a place. He's brought you in. He loves you. I want you to know today, he loves you. I know there's the honest truth that life sometimes stinks. But the God's honest truth is that he's working all things together for your good. He is for you. God is for you. Being the dad of two daughters, I am so glad and was so grateful for the day 
that my daughters were able to brush their own hair. Any other dads that would have that chore at times? Because I'd go to brush their hair and be like, oh, oh, daddy, stop. It hurts. Stop. You know, the easy thing could have been, you know what? You're right. It hurts. Go to bed like that. How many know that's a problem? And so I would brush their hair and I would try the right tension, you know, like pull some hair this way without pulling hair out and do this. And I'm doing everything I can to make this as tolerable as I can. Ow, daddy, stop. It's not fun. I love when they can brush their own hair. But you know what? Every night that I would have to brush their hair and they would go to bed, you know what they didn't do? I'm mad at you. No, it was time to go to bed and guess what they would do? Night, Daddy. I love you. And they'd give me a kiss after I just pulled out their hair. Why? Because even the childlike faith had enough knowledge that this temporary pain doesn't mean my dad doesn't love me. It just means it's temporary. But he has a place for me. He loves me. He's for me. A child who is young knows that a father is for them. How much more the faith of a child to say, God, what I'm walking through isn't good. But the honest truth is this stinks. But the God's honest truth is I know you're not done working. That you're still working in my life. That you're still bringing about good. What I'm in right now doesn't look good but I'm trusting a God who works all things together for my good. I'm telling you by faith because my faith gets conflicted. My faith gets tested. My faith gets tried. But it's not because God's training me to be a lion in the zoo. He's training me to be a lion in a world to defeat the things of the enemy that try to come against us that we have the power and the Spirit of God on the inside of us. He doesn't want you and I to live in a facade of what faith is. He wants you and I to live in the place of knowing what true faith is to trust God guess what even on the front lines when faith gets trusted it doesn't look good but I lift my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth my God is for me my God is for me and that's by faith it's by faith because it doesn't always come out so easy Sometimes I get tongue-tied. So I want to encourage you today to solidify whatever you're walking through. My God is for me. He's not abandoned you. Yeah, you've walked through the moment you got your hair pulled out, but it's not because God doesn't love you or God abandoned you. No, it was because God was working all things together for your good. And if you go to bed looking like that, it's going to be a lot worse in the morning. And God knows what's for your good. And guess what childlike faith says? I know that even though I walk through the temporary disappointments, is not equivalent for me to say that God doesn't love me, but it's for me to say I know that God is for me and he's not done working on my behalf. He's not done doing that which is for my good and for his glory. I pray today that that faith...